Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, a weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hotchberg, and this is episode number 259. We're treading into the murky waters of cruise ship etiquette this week and talking about the do's and don'ts of how to act on a cruise ship. Now, we're definitely not dictating how everyone should act on a cruise ship, but this actually is an opportunity to discuss as a group the expected behavior and social norms you should expect when going on a Royal Caribbean cruise. Here we go. Talking about cruise line etiquette, I got to be honest, I was a little hesitant to take this topic, but, you know, actually one of our listeners, Sharon Wingate, sent me an email and suggested a couple different great ideas, including top cruise edict mistakes, things that as guests we shouldn't do or should do something differently or basically ways that we can be nicer to each other and everybody and respect everybody and basically be a good cruiser. And, you know, I think when it comes to cruising, you definitely don't want to do the wrong thing. I know that like when I go to the casino, as an example, I still to this day will not sit down at any blackjack table unless the blackjack table is completely empty because I am still paranoid that I am doing the wrong thing, that I'm that player who's going to wreck it or ruin it for other players in there. And granted, I'm not very experienced in blackjack. I know the basics of it, certainly. But I know that if I don't, you know, there's certain edicts, there's certain etiquette at the blackjack table like hitting when you're not supposed to hit or otherwise, and you can make other players mad. Should they get mad? Probably not. But you know, I at least recognize that, okay, I am not, you know, God's gift to blackjack players, and thus I'm going to take it easy and, you know, learn the the ropes uh, on my own, and someday maybe I'll get over there. I think something similar to that is true to cruising, and a lot of folks maybe who are new to cruising may not be aware of some of these edicts that exist and things to do, and of course, just because you see other people doing it doesn't mean you should do it as well. I can't emphasize that point enough. It is something that's going to be, you know, certainly, I think, recurring in this list of things to do. It's really just how to, you know, how to behave on board a cruise ship. And some of these things, I'm not sure how self-explanatory or apparent they they are, but I think these are things that definitely stood out to me. And I know Sharon suggested some as well, and these were some good ideas. So let's jump right into this, sir. Our top cruise, Edith, keeping in mind, of course, I am not the police of Royal Caribbean. I am not the manor police. I am not the end-all, be-all of what is good or right or wrong. I'm just sharing my thoughts, and it's okay if you disagree with me. And feel free to continue doing whatever it is you do. The way that you cruise, you know, has no bearing on me, necessarily. Unless, of course, we're on the same cruise ship. But, (laughs) you know, it's, it's all in good fun. And certainly, I think the bottom line also is that Regardless of what we're talking about, regardless if you're thinking that someone shouldn't wear white after Labor Day or someone's really violating a, an important rule on Royal Caribbean, when if there's an issue that you see, don't get involved in the sense of personally get involved. Speak to a Royal Caribbean uh, crew member about the issue. It's their job to take care of it, not yours, and I think that's the best way to go about it. All right, let's jump right into it, starting with, well, it always starts with food, right? It's always about food here on the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, and I couldn't help but not start with the Windjamer and certainly some of the dining venues in general. And uh, I think, first and foremost, something you're going to hear a lot on your Royal Caribbean cruise, it is not to be ignored. Wash your hands before entering any restaurant. Certainly, there's going to be opportunities when you enter any dining venue to use the, uh, the, the hand-washing liquid that's over there, the Purell. That's the word I'm looking for. And you can use that to sanitize your hands. That does a little bit. It doesn't do everything. Certainly the best way to protect yourself uh, against any kind of disease that you could possibly pick up uh, is going to be by washing your hands. Now, on some of the newer Royal Caribbean ships, there's actually wash hand-washing stations right at the entrance of the restaurant. And it's important to do that. I know you might be thinking, look, I just washed my hands back in my stateroom. I just took a shower. I just, you know, it was like five minutes ago. I just did. There's no way my hands are dirty. But... Do it anyway because you never know. You really don't. You know, microbes and diseases, they travel crazily, and I don't pretend to understand it quite honestly. But I do know that a lot can happen even just from a walk from your room with your hands in your pockets or folded up or, I don't know, on your head uh, going to the to the various dining venue you're going to. So, you know, whether it's stopping to, for the Purell or washing your hands, certainly that's the way to You should be doing that for yourself just to keep yourself uh, healthy but also in respect to your other fellow guests. Now, if you are someone who is maybe on a different, on an older Royal Caribbean ship and want to take advantage of the hand washing, there's usually a restroom outside pretty much every dining venue, or certainly within earshot of one that you can go to. So, you know, 
keep in mind, of course, they'll probably still make you use the Purell when you get out of there, but at least you can take that extra step if you'd like to go to one of the uh, restrooms. When you're going to the restrooms, by the way, this has something to do with etiquette, just more about <laughs> keeping yourself healthy. Um, use the automatic door openers. I know it almost seems like lazy because they're really meant for, for handicapped guests, but it's a great way to avoid spreading disease. You know, Use your elbows to open it. Uh, if the door doesn't have that or you don't want to use the handicap method, when you going in is fine because obviously you're about to go wash your hands. You can touch whatever surface you want to. But when you're coming out, there's usually a towel right by the door. Grab the towel, open the door, use your foot to prop it open, or keep it open, deposit the towel in the trash can, and then walk out. Thus, you've washed your hands and not touched any potentially dirty surfaces. So there you go. Wash your hands before entering any restaurant, especially the Windjamere. Speaking of the Windjamere. When you're in line at the buffet station, a couple things. Number one, you always get a new plate every time you go up there. So whether you went up there and got one roll, sat down, decided to get something else, always get a new plate. Number two, when you're in line, you replace the tongs. You know, when you're going to grab that burger, that roll, those strawberries, whatever you're getting in line, you know, the, there's usually a place to put the tongs closer to the uh, where, where you walk by, right? Instead of like leaving them in the dish or in the serving platter, it, bring them back. And not only is it annoying to have to grab, but in a lot of cases, the platters or the serving dishes are warm, they're heated. And I've had many times in which I have gr- gone to grab the tong ooh, too hot because they've been sitting under the burner for a minute or two or longer. And as a result, I play the game of, do I want to burn my hand and get the food I'm really looking to, or I'll just come back later, and I usually just end up going back later. So always replace the tongs. Always a good uh, methodology, certainly. Now, when we're talking about, there's also some other things. Uh, number one, this is something that uh, you know I think is, I don't want to say universally known, but certainly on a cruise ship, uh, don't take the elevator for one floor, unless you have mobility issues. And as someone who recently hurt his back and was walking, you know, I was the guy taking the elevator one floor and I almost feel bad about it. You don't have to explain yourself to other guests, but you know in your mind if you don't have mobility issues or you're carrying luggage or you have small children who are being a pain, and those are usually my kids, assuming it's not one of those reasons, there's really no reason to take an elevator for one or even two floors, quite honestly. I mean, one floor, I, you know, you're asking for dirty looks when you get out of that elevator. If you're going over one floor, two floors, okay, I can understand that to some extent. But even so, you know, if you need to go one or two floors, use the stairs. It's a lot faster, first of all. Second of all, it's not that much. Even if you're going up two floors, it's really not that bad. But certainly, I think one floor, I think we can all agree on, skip the elevator. Because let's face it, crowded elevators are a problem, and you usually have to wait for them. But even if the elevator is not crowded, you're just, you know, if there's other people in the elevator with you, it just, you know, takes extra time, and it's... It's just less annoying. So take the stairs. That's really, I think, one of the best etiquette advice I can give you. Again, one floor, definitely. Two floors is questionable. It's kind of like hitting on 16 and blackjack. And then three floors, you're you're in the clear. You can totally take the elevator for three floors or more. That's totally understandable. And, you know, obviously, not, besides the etiquette, taking the stairs is a great way to stay healthy and, and maybe burn off some calories from all that food and drink you're going to be having on board. A lot of people will actually go the extra step and say, They'll never use the elevator. They will always use the stairs primarily just because it is a good, healthy way to burn some extra calories, especially when you're going up a a couple decks. It can really make a difference. And, you know, keep in mind, more often than not, you're really not in a rush. So don't feel like you have to run up the stairs or anything like that. It's not like you have to be somewhere. You're on vacation. Enjoy it. You know, take your time. Maybe go up two decks, stroll around, sit down somewhere, and go back up the next couple decks, you know. It can be an opportunity for you not only to, uh, you know, be respectful of your fellow guests, but also have an opportunity for you to maybe burn some extra calories. And then it's totally justifiable when you have those extra three desserts in Chops Grill that night. Now, this one is something that I, I honestly don't know the rationale for other than everyone else is doing it and thus I have to do it. And I know everyone else is doing it or there's other people doing it. Let's put it that way. But it still doesn't excuse it. Don't do it. And that, of course, is the the, the end-all, be-all of cruise etiquette. Uh, don't hog the chairs by the pool deck. I, I, I know this is hard to do because here's what happens, right? I'm going to go into this in a minute. But if you've ever been on a cruise, you're going to notice this pretty quickly. It's a sea day. You go up to the pool deck at 
9 a.m. And you're going to see a lot of chairs already reserved with towels draped over them or personal products. Maybe one book on one chair and a shoe on another chair and a Royal Caribbean blog sticker. No, that would never happen, right? But you could have, you're going to have people reserving chairs. Now, obviously, if they're in the pool, that's understandable, right? You put your stuff down. I do this. Everybody does this. You put your stuff down on a chair. You go in the pool. You come out of the pool. And then you come back to your chair and enjoy it. That's fine. No one's arguing that point. The problem is, and we've seen this a thousand times on every ship, is the people that literally will get up at like 6 a.m., some ridiculous hour, put their stuff down on the chair, and then leave and not come back for hours. Not 20 minutes, not half an hour, not even an hour, but hours, plural, where they basically just keep the chairs for themselves and they will go to the point of using clips to keep their towels on there. I mean, obviously, that's a very rude thing to do. Unfortunately, it's something that happens. It's not just known in cruise ships. If you go to any land resort, you probably see this phenomenon as well. It's one of those things where, look, one person does it or one family does it and then someone else does it. And then pretty soon you have, you're saying to yourself, well, if I don't do it, I'm not going to get a pool chair unless I show up to the pool at 7 a.m., which I'm not going to do. Yeah, I understand that logic, and I understand, look, at the end of the day, you want to be able to be by the pool. You want to be able to enjoy it, and you're entitled to enjoy it just as much as the chair hogs do. I get that. But to me, it's not – I don't want to be part of the problem, and I will risk it. Now, look, if you roll into the pool deck at 1030 or noon, yeah, okay. You kind of have to go with the understanding that there's not going to be any chairs available, even if you didn't – even if there weren't chair hogs. Those are busy times. If you want to be by the pool, it behooves you to get up early. You don't need to get up at 6. You don't need to get up at 7. You know, 9 a.m., you should still be able to get a decent chair by the pool. And maybe even to closer to 10 o'clock, you're starting to get some chairs that are maybe not ideal, but, you know, somewhere you want to be. The bottom line is, you know, lead by example and, you know, don't be that person who's taking up chairs. You know, you go up to the pool deck, you reserve, you know, five chairs and you, with, the, with the knowing full well that maybe you'll be there, but your friends and family won't be there for at least a couple more hours, right? I mean, it's it, – not only is it rude, it's also again, technically against the rules. Again, I blame partly Royal Caribbean, honestly, for not – doing more to enforce the rule. It's, there's a sign like on every pool deck and every real Caribbean ship saying that after a certain amount of time, forget how what the threshold is, like 30 minutes or so, that you know people need, though they're going to cut the pool deck officers will come take your stuff away. It rarely, if ever, happens, quite honestly. Uh, unfortunately, I wish it were to happen more often in the sense that they would enforce the rule. I mean, that would just nip it in the bud. I mean, if you people's you know, stuff would be taken away. I mean, I'm sure these people have, you know, a thousand and one excuses as to why they weren't there and it's not fair and, you know, blah, 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 blah. But, you know, if you're not going to be using the chair, I would say, I think it's safe to say for about 45 minutes or so. And hanging by the pool is okay. If you're in the pool, you know, you're somewhere else on, I don't know, the hot tub. That's totally okay. You should know in the back of your mind it's fine. Um, but you just don't want to be, you know, if you're going for more than 45 minutes, if you're leaving the pool deck, if you and your family are returning to your room or going to eat a meal or going to see a show, going to play bingo, you probably just give up the chair. It's okay. There'll be other chairs. <laughs> and it's just, I, it, you know, obviously if more people would do that, it would move towards uh, a more happy world where we can all enjoy pool time equally. And there you go. Uh, something also that's important to note uh, is something that actually uh, Sharon wrote, which is using your balcony as a clothesline. I will point out, I think what this is what Sharon's getting at, is you don't need to do that. Now, I will say, Sharon, in my defense, I violate this rule to some extent. I put my pool, my uh, my my uh, swimsuits out there sometimes, especially on Caribbean itineraries because they dry out a whole lot faster in there. Uh, but I don't air you know, my underwear and some other clothes that... You know, you're doing, you don't need to do that. If you elect to do a really nice idea of maybe laundering some of your own clothes in your room, because a great tip for cruisers is while there aren't self-serve laundry facilities on board, you can pack, you know, like one use single detergent, uh, laundry detergent, and then, you know, wash some basic clothes, maybe some like, you know, t-shirts or, or undergarments in your sink and then dry them out. It's a great way not only to save money as opposed to sending them out for dry cleaning and, uh, and be able to reuse clothes on board a, a cruise. But you should be aware that in every stateroom, in your bathroom, there is a clothesline that you can use to hang it in there. That will certainly work. Again, and the reason why I, the only exception to that is when I use, uh, again, I put out my, my swimsuits outside because I may want to use it sooner than it will dry out indoors. Obviously, the heat outside will go through that quite quickly. Uh, and I don't think that's okay. In fact, I wouldn't ever put it on the balcony uh, divider. I'd put it like on a chair or something like that. But, you know. 
I think what Sharon's trying to say is, you know, this isn't, we don't want to see your laundry line out there. It's not one of those things. <laughs> so definitely don't do that. Uh, I got two more here. Uh, first, uh, we got, they both have to do with staff. First and foremost, and I hate to say that we have to talk about this, but we have to talk about this. Don't be rude to the staff. You know, the cruise ship staff members work incredibly hard to make sure that we're all safe, fed, entertained, and cleaned up after, you know? And a lot of country, a lot of staff members rather come from different countries around the world, and they're working really hard to earn a living, right? So there's, there is absolutely, positively, no reason to ever be rude or demeaning to any cruise ship employees. Uh, the, you know, you might be saying, well, who could possibly do that? I saw this on a recent cruise. I remember I was waiting at the ice for the ice skating show, and I didn't have tickets. I just wanted to come and see the show. So if you don't have tickets to the show ahead of time, uh, you have to wait. And there's a standby line. No, I was waiting standby line. There were like, you know, eight of us or something like that. And a crew member, or sorry, a guest came by and said he wanted, he was going to go in the show. And of course the crew member said, hang on, sir, you need to have your a ticket. And he says, I don't have a ticket. Now his thing was, he was a diamond plus, I think was what he was saying. And, or maybe even a pinnacle. I'm not sure. And he was telling the crew member, look, there's reserved seating in there for me. I don't have to wait over here to which the crew member said, no. Okay. Now, I don't know if that's true or not, if, it, if Crown & Anchor does offer that. Sometimes they do. I know for, for sweet guests, they often have that where they reserve seating. But regardless, now, the way that it went down is not what should have happened. Basically, the guy just, after arguing for about 30 seconds, the guest just walked by the, the, the crew member, you know, around him, basically. The crew member is telling him, stop, sir, 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 and just, you know, ignoring him completely, which is just incredibly rude. And... If you think there's a problem, if you think there's a, a policy difference that that's a problem, you know, say, okay, look, I, I disagree with you. Is there possibly a, a way that we can get maybe your manager or supervisor to come down here so we can figure this out? But being civil about it and certainly respecting the crew members, they work very, very hard. And if there's something that they're doing that you don't like, you know, whether it's a stateroom attendant or a waiter, talk to them. They're human beings as well. And, you know, or talk to their managers and let them know exactly what's going on. And that's the important thing. But the last thing you want to do is, you know, don't be rude to them. Don't be mean to them. You know, don't treat them differently because they come from this country or that country. It's unnecessary. It's rude and just something you shouldn't be doing, period. Um, I think that's definitely a big, big thing. And a lot, the other thing, of course, is removing the the gratuities completely from the, uh, for, for, you know, the automatic gratuities from somebody who's uh, working, you know, your stateroom attendant, your your main dining room, the automatic gratuities that Royal Caribbean assesses you. Now, there's, in my experience, there's two reasons why this usually happens. Number one is someone doesn't agree with the gratuity policy, the fact that you have to pay gratuities in the first place and that it should be paid by Royal Caribbean, and there's a principal issue there. Look, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna argue that point about the you know who should or shouldn't pay, or that the fact that gratuities should be part of the cruise fare and. All those are, are perfectly interesting arguments to be made, and you should be conveying that to Royal Caribbean. But the last thing you want to do is take away the gratuities as a means of punishing Royal Caribbean. You're not punishing Royal Caribbean. You're actually punishing the, the hardworking crew members. It's the opposite of what you want to do. You, you're against this idea in principle. You hate it. You think it's the worst thing ever. I, com I completely understand where you're coming from. But at the end of the day, as it stands right now here as recording this podcast in 2018, it's still the onus is still on you to pay the gratuity. That's just the bottom line. You agree to go on the cruise, you gotta pay the gratuity. And again, by not paying the gratuity, you're you're not punishing Royal Caribbean, you're punishing the crew members who who deserve that money. So what I would recommend instead, if of course you want to argue that point, you know, let Royal Caribbean know, write letters, uh, put it in your post cruise survey, or or you can go to the the, go to the nuclear option and not book a cruise on principle and say, look, I'm not going to support you for that. That's totally within your rights. But if you book the cruise, you know how this works. You either prepay your gratuities or get them automatically on there, and it goes there. Now, in a situation in which uh, you have poor service, sometimes people want to remove the gratuities or change the gratuity amount. You know, maybe I don't it's it would be pretty rare that I can think of a situation in which the gratuity should be removed because you've just had bad service. Don't forget. Your gratuity amount is shared. The automatic gratuity is shared between your head waiter, your dining room waiter, your assistant waiter, and your stateroom attendant. So, you know, I, I can't even fathom a scenario in which all four of those people have failed this person to the point that they don't deserve anything. Now, you certainly may say, well, look, I don't think they deserve the full amount there. And you can change the amount by going to guest services 
and altering it that way. But again, I would argue two things. Number one, before it gets to the end of the cruise and you want to change the gratuities, I would speak to a manager. You know, if your state representative is not working to your ability, to your liking, talk to their manager. Ask to speak to the to the housekeeping attendant. You can you don't have to talk to your state room attendant for this, by the way. You can just pick up the stateroom phone in your room. There's a there's a line for housekeeping. This is not this doesn't go to your state room attendant. It's like the main call center for housekeeping, if you will. And you can ask to speak to someone there who's going to be more of a managerial role and explain the issue. Tell them what what you don't like about it. You know, blah, blah, blah. Let them fix it for you. Same is true in the dining room. And look, sometimes some things don't work out the way you want it, but at least give them tries. what I'm trying to say before you just, you know, the last thing I, I would hate for you to do is just suck it up for the entire cruise and then just withhold or change the gratuities. I mean, if there's an opportunity for them to fix the problem, let them know there's a problem, certainly. I think that's a good way to at least get it going. Now, going back to actually food again, because it's always about food around here. Let's go back to the dining room. There's a couple more that I thought about uh, in the meantime. Number one, you want to dress appropriately for dinner. I'm not going to get into the, you know, should you how dressed up should you be for for dinner. Look, there's very there's a huge scale of what you can dress up, and you don't need to wear a tuxedo and a ball gown on any night of the cruise in order to satisfy those requirements. You know, for guys, I often say, look, you can just wear a polo shirt and a pair of jeans that don't have holes in them, and to me, that's totally fine, you know? And here, if you're going to eat in the dining room, you know, at least make an attempt, that's all. What I'm trying to avoid is people who just show up in, you know, the tank top, the, the, the gym shorts, the, you know, the, the, the basically the person who walks in, and you can just clearly see there's not a, an attempt to be made over there. You know, again, I, I try really not to be the, the clothing police, and at the end of the day, really, what somebody else is wearing at a different table shouldn't affect you know, what I'm, my meal or my experience. It shouldn't. I mean, just focus on your meal, talk to people at your table, and, you know, at the end of the day, the food tastes exactly the same, and the, you know, it's, it's, it shouldn't matter. Now, of course, I would also argue that, of course, again, this is something where Royal Caribbean should be enforcing, blah, 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 but if you're listening to this podcast, make an attempt. That's all. You don't have to go crazy. And again, for guys, polo shirt, nice pair of jeans, that's all you have to do. You don't have to go crazy with for, for women. I mean, a nice blouse, a pair of jeans, a shirt, a skirt. Um, you know, it doesn't have to go crazy. You don't really don't have to be that creative with it. Just you want to at least show that, look, like I'm wearing something a little nicer than I would probably would have worn to the pool deck. And, you know, keep it like that. Number two is also, and this one is more important, I think, honestly, than what you wear to the dining room. And that is, if you're late, there is a certain time where in which it's rude to show up to the dining room, and I've seen this happen before. I would say within 30 minutes. If, if, dine, if your reservation, if you're in traditional dining and it's at 8 o'clock, you have between 8 and 8.30 to show up. I, things happen all the time. As an example, on the first day of the cruise, if you're in late seating, Adventure Ocean usually opens at 8 o'clock at the same time. So it's going to take time for you to get processed up there, and that's understandable, and I think everybody gets that. But there have been cruises in which I've seen guests show up to the dining room 45 55, 75 minutes after dining began. And to me, that is just that that's just the wrong kind of etiquette to to have on a cruise ship. I mean, look, I understand you run late. Things happen. Totally get that. And I think that, you know, we're we're all understandably of that. And this isn't like anyone sitting there with a stopwatch for you, you know, to make sure, oh, you're gonna be in your seat by this amount of time. It's not quite that formal. But I will tell you that personally, if I were to if it were 30 minutes past when we're supposed to be there, you missed dinner. That's what I would tell my, my wife. So we missed it. It's too late now. We can go up to the Windjammer. We can go to Cafe Promenade. We can go to you know a number of different venues that are available to us. Heck, we can probably even still make it into some of the specialty restaurants that are available to go and you know make it work that way. I, but I think the bottom line is you want to uh, take the appropriate actions that, you know, be, be responsible. If you're running late a couple minutes, that's fine. But I would say after 30 minutes or so, that's where I would draw the line in the sand. Maybe some others disagree with me there, but that's certainly something that, you know, um, you know, I, I, I think that there's got to be a, a semblance of respect because if you show up later than that, it's just, it's just rude, you know, and not only is it rude to your fellow guests, but also then the, the crew members, your, your servers have to double back now because they're, they're overly too nice <laughs> and they, they'll give you the menu. They'll make you order really quickly and it's just, you know, unnecessary. Uh, next, I would say if you're feeling, you know, ill, you're not, you're not feeling well, you know, go to your room and don't be afraid, honestly, to talk to the, to the doctor on board. We had the situation on a recent cruise where my oldest daughter got sick. One night we went to sleep, middle of the night, she threw up all over the bed and I'm like, oh my gosh. Okay. Well, 
First and foremost, we need to get this cleaned up. And I'm not cleaning up puke at midnight or whatever it was, 2 a.m. So we called, you know, down to housekeeping. And sure enough, they called the doctor. And the doctor called us and let us know about, you know, what was going on. They talked to us. Here's the thing. If you're sick, they're not going to throw you in a room and, lo- and throw away the key. You know, they're going to lock you up for that. They're, they're reasonable. Look, they want to make sure, A, you're safe. You're not like this isn't something terrible, right? You know, God, God forbid something really bad is afoot. But second of all, they want to ensure, obviously, the safety of the entire ship. But they're going to start out with some basic questions. Just want to know what's going on. In a lot of cases, by the way, they're going to offer you free medical advice, if not free medicine, you know, just for consulting with them. You don't. There's going to be a point, and they'll let you know exactly when that point is of which they're going to charge you for this. Uh, but it's, it's not the end of the world to talk to the doctor, and it's okay to admit if you're sick. Look, if you're sick... You got to get better. And I'll tell you two things about being sick on a real crime ship. Number one, medicine makes it a whole lot better. And number two, uh, there are, look, even if you do get the worst part would be quarantined, right? You have norovirus or something awful where you're puking and it's just not enjoyable. Well, number one, you want the medicine to make it feel better. Number two, uh, you know, if you they do quarantine you for something like that, you do get some certain benefits. You get free room service if you, if you can put, keep food down. And you also get free uh, movies in the room. The pay-per-view is released to you. In, from what I've heard, anyway, I've never actually had it myself, but all, that's all I've heard. So there are some benefits to it, but again, you got to get yourself better. Don't push yourself to do it. It's just not enjoyable to be that guy who's, you know, sitting at the pool deck, you know, green and, you know, I'm, I'm winning, darn it. No, not only are you possibly getting other people sick, but you're also, it's not enjoyable. So do what you, you know, do the right thing. Call them and let them know, hey, look, I'm feeling this way. Again, unless you actually see the doctor, in many cases, they won't even charge you for it. But it never hurts to, to even go down uh, that route. When you're on a shore excursion, man, I got some good ones here. I thought this was going to be a short episode, but I got some good ones here. If you're on a shore excursion and you agree to a certain time, a lot of times shore excursions will go to a certain place and say, okay, uh, let's all meet back at this place to get back on the bus at, you know, 1 o'clock. All right. Be on time. Please be on time for shore excursions because it's a group you're all dependent on each other, and you. everyone knows that whoever's last, whoever's late, we all got to wait for you, right? Whether it's five minutes or 30 minutes, don't be late. Even a couple of minutes, it's rude to your fellow guests, and you have a watch. If you don't have a watch, ask for a watch or some. I don't know, figure it out. Bring a watch on a short excursion. Don't be late. That To me, that is like one of the worst things ever. Like, just don't be late to check in. Don't be late, you know, during the excursion, different things. Do all that, you know, uh, take advantage of that. Uh, a couple more ones. Uh, when it says adults only in the cruise compass, like at the quest, it means adults only. It means don't bring your kids with you. There is Adventure Ocean. Yes, it may cost some extra money in certain times. If you're staying late night and you want to go to the adult comedy show or the quest or, I don't know, the white hot part and you want to dance the night away. Look, it's, you know, it's $7 an hour. It's the best $7 an hour you ever spend. And I promise you as a parent, it is way more enjoyable. Anything is way more enjoyable on and any of these events, if you don't have your kids with you there, especially if they're half asleep, so keep the kids away. You know, if it's it's supposed to be like that. And the last one would be simply, and I think this is probably appropriate for <laughs> I think everywhere, any hotel you go to. But anyway, especially on a cruise ship, you know, after a certain time, you got to be respectful of noise and noise in general. Certainly, we always tell our kids don't jump from the bed down to the floor because people below you can hear it. No screaming, and you know, after ten o'clock at night, certainly you want to be respectful of the noise levels. I get it; it's spring break. You're having a great time. You want to twirl the the t-shirt above your head and swing it around. At the pool deck, I think that's all right. That's par for the course. But on your balcony, not so much. The after party needs to go somewhere else in that regard. So, you know, be respectful of other guests. And and the noise level, I think, is something that can easily get on people's nerves and something that I think can easily be avoided, quite honestly, because there's plenty of places to go. And if you need to be loud and shout uh, and let it all out, shout. You can go up to the pool deck and do that. So those are some that I think are, these, it's not the end-all be-all, but I do believe these are the ones that really I think are the most important ones. I think the ones that are kind of unique to cruising, and I think these are the ones that more often than not, people tend to talk about the most and are the most noticeable. So I, I included them here on this episode. But of course, if you have some cruise etiquette ideas, concerns, and it's ironically enough, when you're thinking about this cruise etiquette, be respectful of other people. <laughs> people's opinions on this I say can only imagine some people's opinions on what is good etiquette may 
differ from other folks. But uh, you can always email me, Matt, at realcaribbeanblog.com. I'd love to read them on the podcast about some of the uh, cruise etiquette uh, suggestions you may have for other your fellow cruisers. Hey, it's time to answer your listener emails. This is the part of the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast where we dive into the Royal Caribbean Blog inbox and I read the emails that you've sent me and we talk about basically anything you want. A lot of times these are questions about upcoming cruises, but maybe you read something on RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. Perhaps there was a cruise etiquette discussion from earlier that got you thinking about something. Here's your opportunity to discuss it. And of course, you can always send me your email so we can read them right here on the air. We begin with an email from Susan who writes, Hi Matt, I recently discovered your podcast and I've enjoyed catching up. Thanks for all you do. I have two dining questions. My family has booked a nine-night Anthem of the Seas Canada New England cruise for August 2018. We can't wait. We're looking to try specialty dining on the ship and I booked the five-night dining package. Our 15-year-old son wants to try Wonderland. I would have booked it individually, but at $49 per person, it's a lot cheaper to do it as part of the multi-night package. And my husband and I get to try all the restaurants plus the galley brunch. My first question is, since I can't make specific reservations until I get on the ship, is Wonderland a difficult reservation to get? I'm not too picky about times. Great question, Susan. And uh, Susan is correct. If you're buy- if you're booking a dining package, any dining package, one of the caveats is you cannot make reservations for specific restaurants until you actually get on board the ship. It's kind of the trade-off, if you will. you got to wait to get on board. I'll tell you, Susan, that no, it's not too hard to get, provided you do one important thing. Make reservations on the first day. The first thing I do, honestly, even before I go eat on board a Royal Caribbean ship, if you can believe this, is if I have a dining package, I will go make reservations immediately, first thing. That way, you have the greatest variety of opportunity to make time, get a specific time you want. And in my experiences, and no matter which restaurant we're talking about, if you follow that advice and do it on day one, heck, you do it in the morning of day one, you're going to find a lot of availability, even for one of your land. It won't be an issue. I think where you can get into trouble, Susan, is if you wait. If you say, well, I don't know what time, what restaurant we're at, we're going to do it day by day, right? Just like the Godspell song, day by day, sorry. And, uh, you know, you don't want to go to the point of saying, oh, I want to go eat dinner in two hours. Let me see if Wonderland's available. That's where you're going to run into trouble there. In some restaurants, that's okay to do, like Sabor, pretty much. You can do that anytime you want. But I'll tell you, the best methodology is get on board the ship on the first day. There's usually a spot for it. Look for a sign, like on Harmony of the Seas, they actually had a station set up in one of the dining rooms, ironically enough, where you could go make, it was for people with specialty dining packages and go make reservations like, okay, what do you want? What's next? Blah, 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 blah. And, and they would have a computer there and they could do it. You can also go to any specialty restaurant and book that and they'll make all the reservations for you. Also, guest services can help you as well. So those are all easy ways to do it. But if you go on day one, you'll have no problems making a reservation for Wonderland. So this next question is, it's possible that one or two nights my teens may prefer the Windjammer over specialty dining. My thir- my 13-year-old daughter is at that age. Would it be okay to do a last-minute reservation switcheroo by bringing my in-laws to the dinner reservation for four using the credits I bought for my teenage children? Will the service check if the correct four people are there, or will they just check my husband and me? You know, that is a really good question, because I have no idea. I suspect... My, my gut was no, that you can't do this. The only way this might work is if you bought the dining package for you, your husband, and your kids, and you and your husband and kids are in the same room, and obviously your in-laws come with you, right? Your kids aren't there. That if you, the servers at one point is going to ask for the, uh, for the, for the CPAS account at the end of the meal, and you could say, oh, you know, here's mine. My name is Susan. Here you go. Uh, there's credits for four on there. That might work, actually. I've never tried it, Susan, so I can't tell you. And if you have the kids in the other room, like they're not on the same room as you, uh, you might run into some trouble there. I, uh, that that would be my only concern. I just maybe someone's tried this before, where they've tried the switcheroo, <laughs> Susan calls it here. Uh, I haven't. Again, it, I think depending on the room setup, this may or may not be simple to do. Um, but I can't give you a definitive answer, so I'm going to give you a firm I don't know, but maybe somebody here does know, and they can always email us or post in our comments and our show notes at royalcaribbeanblog.com, and we can get you the right answer there, Susan. Good question, though. First time I ever I didn't even think about that one. Next, we have an email from Susan Widowson, who writes, uh, Just got off Anthem of the Seas on Saturday after a nine-night cruise in Bermuda, St. Martin, San Juan, and Labadee. Just want to give you my take on a few things. We drove in the day before and stayed at the Country Inn and Suites in Elizabeth. They're remodeling us. was a bit busy, but have stayed there before. We knew it was convenient for getting to the cruise port. We used the Bayonne Cruise Parking after hearing some good reports on it. We dropped off luggage at the port before heading to the parking lot, which is about a five-minute drive from the port. We self-parked the car, hopped on the waiting shuttle, 
getting back to the port in just a few minutes. The driver told us when, where to meet him when we returned. The cost for nine days was $131.25, a savings of almost 50 bucks from parking at the port. We will definitely use this again if we cruise at a Bayonne. We were checked in and sitting in the waiting area by 10 a.m. They were having the annual Coast Guard inspection that morning, and in an email a few days before, we were told not to arrive before noon. We took that as a suggestion, much like speed limit signs. <laughs> by 11.30, we were on the ship. This is our first time on Anthem of the Seas. All of our previous Royal Caribbean cruises, all 11 of them, were on Voyager Freedom and Oasis class ships. I studied the deck plans beforehand, so I had an idea where things were. My husband was confused most of the week. I don't think either of us felt at home on Anthem as we would have been on the other ships we'd been on prior. We grabbed some lunch at 270. Kemalwick sandwiches weren't as good as on the Oasis or Harmony. After lunch, we decided to explore the ship starting at the top. We got to the C-Plex, then they had the bumper cars going, so we got in the short line and had to go. We loved the bumper cars. We were able to do them a second time right away, and once again later in the cruise. Overall, the ship is in great shape, but we did notice that in many of the common areas, the upholstery on the chairs was cracked or torn. We pre-purchased the three-night dining package, first time doing that. Being a meat and potatoes guy, my husband wasn't keen on trying Wonderland that first night. We had no trouble changing it to Jamie's. Our waitress, Mahela, was amazing. We went with all our suggestions, and everything from appetizers to dessert were great. We enjoyed it so much that we returned on day eight again, an outstanding meal. Our third choice was chops. It was okay, but not spectacular. In fact, the chops on the independence of the seas was much better. We did North Star while Dr. Labadee. We weren't really impressed with it. We did iFly and loved it. I signed up to do the escape room, but never made it because none of the crew, including the young man that signed me up, seemed to know where it was. It sent me all over the ship looking for it. On the last day, I found it off of the Cplex. The Diamond Lounge is very nice. Uh, Newman was very attentive and learned our drink preferences quickly and often. Overall, we thought the food in all areas were basic and a bit bland. We had my time dining, but only went to the main dining room once. The service was rushed, and our waitress didn't even introduce herself. When I asked her name, she just picked up the nameplate, which was hiding behind the bread basket, and showed it to me. She had us order everything, including dessert, all at once. There was no elegant dining experience that we had on previous cruises. We never even saw the assistant waiter. The bread basket was on the table, and there was no real selection to it. Where, oh, where are the pumpkin rolls? We got better, friendlier service at a local Denny's. We uh, liked the layout of Solar and Bistro on the ship better than the Oasis and Harmony. And I messaged the parents, please teach your children their actions affect those around them. They can have fun at the pool without splashing and screaming in the middle of all the adults there. Sorry this is so long. Happy sailing, Cruise and Susan. Susan, thank you for the email. A couple things I noticed from your email, and I appreciate you sharing all the great feedback. Uh, thank you for the feedback also about the parking, the offsite parking in Bayonne. I still park at the cruise terminal. To me, the, the convenience is so worth it. Uh, I just don't like jumping through hoops. Susan, I'm lazy. I'll be honest with you. And I'm, I, I, <laughs> But 50 bucks is 50 bucks, right? I, I don't blame you there. But I'm glad that you had it not only to save money, but it was a, it was a good experience there. And you're right about the, the boarding times being suggestions. You're absolutely right doing the right thing over there. A uh, couple things I wanted to talk about. It's funny, you mentioned you didn't care that much for Northstar and loved iFly. That is the exact opposite of my experience. I love Northstar. I can never get enough Northstar. And I, I'll be honest, I hated iFly because I crashed. I didn't have a good time. <laughs> uh, and I'm sorry to hear you missed out on the escape room. It is a really cool experience. Something very different. I think when you go back on board at some point, you got to try it. Now, in the, in the dining room, there's a couple things that may seem like Anthem things, but they're actually fleet-wide or getting to be fleet-wide. Uh, one thing is ordering all the entire meal at once. So previously in Royal Caribbean, you sit down for dinner in the main dining room and your wait your, your waiter would take your order and order your, your appetizers and your entrees, serve them in, in that order, and then later come back for dessert. Now they order it all at once with the desserts at the same time. Look, I've been cruising long enough that I remember, I, I'm very used to the old style of doing it. It did take a little bit of of, um, of of getting used to, but I'm here to tell you, Susan, it's going fleet-wide. There's nothing you can do about it. I mean, in, I think on Rhapsody of the Seas, we successfully got the waiter to ask us later on. Like, we would just say, I don't know, or, you know, we just eventually, like, trained him into coming back later and asking. You can certainly ask politely, going back to the etiquette thing earlier. But it really is something flu wide. Same is true also for the bread basket. Instead of bringing the, the assistant waiter bringing you bread, they now place the bread on your table on some ships. It's not true for all ships, but most of the ships I've been on, this has been the case. It, there's good and bad to it. On the good side, you don't have to wait for the person to come around. All too often, you know, I would my wife would tell me, if you see the assistant waiter, please lag him or her down because I want to get another roll. There's no more of that. The downside is... 
besides if you care for the different level of service in that regard, is uh, there's some of the bread isn't there. Like savory bites aren't there. Although I did notice when we were on Majesty of the Seas uh, and Explorer of the Seas, the exact bread ser- servings would vary from day to day. Like one day it would be one, you know, a sourdough roll and a pumpkin seed roll and some other roll, and then the next day it would be something else. And there, it, it's not quite as consistent. Or maybe perhaps people in the first seating are just eating all the bread and leaving you with nothing. I, that's entirely possible too. <laughs> but that is just these are things that have changed and. I gotta think, knowing Royal Caribbean, I firmly believe these changes, the ordering it all at once, the bread on the table, these are things that are coming from guest feedback. There's no question in my mind that this is all aimed at at speeding up dinner, right? That there are some people who don't like having a meal that goes more than an hour, let alone 90 minutes or even two hours. Uh, Look, there's some people right now who are, I guarantee you, you're one of them. You're going to fall one of two categories. As soon as I said that, your instant reaction was, What?! People want to stay at dinner for more than an hour? It's too long already. And there's another set of people who are saying, what? Where's the fun in it? It's it's enjoyable to have a long, drawn-out meal. I like being there for 90 minutes or two hours. That's what Rilker has to deal with. <laughs> and I, but I feel like, in, in the grand scheme of things, they want to speed it up. Thus, that's what it is. Please don't shoot the messenger. I'm just sharing the experience there. And uh, But... You know what, Susan? Anthem of the Seas and the Quantum Class in general are a little bit different than, you know, the Voyager Freedom and Oasis class ships. They're kind of, there's a lineage to them, right? The Quantum Class is an attempt to try to change all that. And there's some some real differences between all of it. But I'm here to tell you, Susan, as someone who's gone on Anthem a couple times and going back again, I think it's actually really, really nice. I love the dining experiences on there. Um, and, I, and I hope that maybe your next sailing on Anthem of the Seas will be even better. And thank you for sharing your feedback. Uh, next email is from Debbie, who writes, I think they should make more cruises where you can go solo and not have to pay for a double room. That's a fair feedback. Thank you, Debbie, for the email. You know, there's a lot of folks, especially people that tend to cruise solo, who would definitely be in line with that kind of rationale of, you know, basically, if you go and book a any kind of room, almost any kind of room, I should say, by yourself, you're going to pay something called a single supplement fee, which basically means even though you're cruising by yourself, you're going to pay more often than not double uh, to to cover that other person that's not actually there. The reason being that the cruise industry, including Royal Caribbean, is set up on this idea of double occupancy. And solo cruising is more of a recent phenomenon. And up until not too long ago, that was just the law of the land. You had to do that. Now, Royal Caribbean does offer on about a dozen or so ships these days a, a, a few, I think a few is the right way to say it, a few... Uh, solo uh, rooms. They're sometimes called studio rooms. Uh, these are single cabins that do not have a single supplement fee designed for one traveler. And the advantage, obviously, is that you don't pay the single supplement fee there. So my advice to you, Debbie, is one or, one of two things. Number one, look for those rooms. Number two is the advantage of paying the single supplement is you get double Crown and Anchor Society points and actually triple if you end up staying by yourself in a suite. And while it's a lot more money, and yes, you are paying for somebody else, just look at it as just, it, that's just the cost of it, you know? Uh, I, I know it's maybe not the answer you're looking for, but at the end of the day, uh, it offers up a lot more options because there aren't a lot of solo rooms. And would you like... I would love to see Royal Caribbean invest more in solo rooms. I think that uh, to give it credit where credit is due, Norwegian Cruise Line, NCL, is has a really good reputation for solo cruises. They've added a lot of those rooms. Whereas on Royal Caribbean... On some ships, it's like two or three rooms. On other ships, it's like a dozen or so that have that option. But, you know, Debbie's looking for more of them. I can certainly understand that. I'm sure there's a lot of solo cruisers who totally agree with Debbie on that. Next, we have an email from somebody who didn't put their e- their name in there. Don't forget when you're writing the email and you're saying, Matt, you're totally wrong. Sign your name. So this person, whoever this person is, they, I have an email address. I don't want to read their email address. Anyway, I wrote, I travel frequently solo on Royal Caribbean. I went on an Australia cruise for three months and Europe for a month and a half. Independence of the seas is needed, but I've made many friends that I'm still in touch with many years later. The staff members are always helpful and friendly. They make the trip. Solo rooms are cozy, which means small, but certainly adequate and well-equipped. I take projects to entertain myself, but frequently I bring them home incomplete. Lots of activities on board, if you're interested, will be going again in the fall. So thank you for the feedback there, mystery person, about solo cruising. Glad to hear you enjoy that. 
Our next email is from Mark from Melbourne, Australia. He writes, or Melbourne, right? You guys say in Florida, there's a city called Melbourne, but anyway, somewhere around Australia. Uh, Mark writes, I just went and booked two cruises, a five-night Western Caribbean on Explorer of the Seas and then a seven-night Eastern Caribbean on Symphony of the Seas, both departing Miami in February 2020. I've applied your theory of YOLO booking. I've had a couple of cool questions for you. First, we have a night between the two cruises. Can you recommend any good value accommodations as close to the cruise terminal? Is the center of Miami close? In Miami, uh, so yeah, downtown Miami is actually closer to the cruise terminal area than, um, like, say, South Beach or something like that, one of the other touristy areas. Uh, The cruise terminals are on an island called Dodge Island. There are no hotels on this island. You can't walk there, certainly. But staying downtown Miami is going to get you pretty darn close. They're all taxi right away. Uh, I say to the Intercontinental Hotel, it's not cheap, uh, but it was a really clean, beautiful hotel that I stayed at. You can see the cruise through. You can see Royal Caribbean headquarters right from over there. So that's a really good one. My recommendation to Mark in a situation like this, what I tend to do is I go to a website called Priceline.com. You may have it in Australia, but go to Priceline and bid on a uh, hotel price. Actually, I'm going to take that back. I don't actually bid anymore. I use the express deals where basically you don't know the name of the hotel. You only know its general location and you know it's star level. And as long as you bid on three stars or higher, you're going to get a name brand quality hotel out of it. I've used this many, many, many times and it's worked out quite well. I would recommend that for you. Mark's second question is about St. Martin. I have a massive, I am a massive airplane junkie, and Princess Juliana Airport has always been at the top of my must-visit bucket list. And St. Martin is just so uh, happens to be a port of call. Do you know how easy it is to get to the beach at the end of the runway? Is it as simple as hailing a cab? And the answer, Mark, is yes. You just simply say, I want to go to Maho Beach. The beach, so the airport is where the airport is, and there's a sliver of beach, but the beach is it's called Maho Beach, M-A-H-O. And you can walk, the taxi will drive you off right at the beach, you can walk right by the runway you walk a little further down away from the runway and there's a bar over there but yes it's very super simple mark there's no trail to go over anything like that so it's really really easy to do my advice look i understand you're a plane junkie first of all uh look at the schedule for what airplanes are doing look for maybe like a bunching because you know obviously standing around waiting for an airplane is not exactly fun you can go hang out in the ocean or grab a drink by the by the bar but you know I think to me, even though I'm not an airplane junkie, Mark, but to me, I think it's Maho Beach is good for maybe an hour or two. It's a good diversion. It's not like I want to spend the whole day there. Some people maybe do that. Who knows? Um, so I would look at the schedule and try to get there maybe at a time in which there's more planes, like a, maybe a little, you know, a couple different flights going on. That way you can kind of, uh, you know, take advantage of it. If you're looking for other things to do on in St. Martin, I would recommend uh, maybe going first before you get to Maho Beach. Go to the French side. Take a taxi over there and have a nice... Uh, breakfast or brunch however whatever time you get over there on the french side and maybe a traditional french bakery would be a great thing to do uh you've got lots of beaches on the french side which are really really nice and of course you got maho beach to check out there so and if all else fails you can always go back to phillipsburg which is the capital of the dutch side and that's where your cruise ship docks there's lots of shopping you walk easily up and down over there and, and burn a lot of time so thank you for the email mark and our last question for today is coming to us from Mandy Rebello, who writes, Hi, Matt. Hope you're well. I'm look, I loved working for Royal Caribbean for a few years. Now I'm bringing my family, cruising all the way from South Africa, Cape Town, only to debut with the friends and family that Royal Caribbean is far uh, to best to travel with. We're so excited and can't wait to get on board. Awesome, Mandy. I think you're going to have an awesome... I mean, you've, been, you've worked on Royal Caribbean, and now you're going with your family on there. What a great idea. I love that. All right, I lied. I'm going to add one more question because there was no actual question from Mandy there. Mandy was just checking, which I love, by the way. Look, some of these emails, you don't have to have a, a question. If you just want to say hi, I love emails where people say hi. So please feel free to email me that as well. I'd be happy to read it over here. Our last, or seriously last email, and I'm looking at the email now. This will definitely be the last one, is from Margaret, who writes, I'm at just returned from our uh, sailing on Liberty of the Seas. Uh, to Roatan, Belize, and Cozumel. It was our first cruise, and my high expectations were exceeded. The staff is so lovely. We had so much fun playing games, going to shows. The aerial show was amazing. And, of course, eating. We've already booked our second cruise, which will be in December, going to Cuba. This leads me to my second question. 
There was a first question. I missed that one. Anyway, I booked flights to travel the day prior. I contacted Royal Caribbean about hotel packages and was advised that they will tr- include hotel transfers to the pier. She also advised that we can get to the pier uh, from Miami International Airport uh, from Royal Caribbean for about $18 per person. Is that a norm? Is there an easily accessible cab service at the pier? My flight is at 11.45 a.m. and just want to plan on for the most efficient transportation from the ship to the airport for our flights home. Thanks so much for your time and response. I love your podcasts. Thank you, Margaret. Appreciate the email. Here's my advice, Margaret. For domestic travel, you're a U.S. resident. You're flying from somewhere in Texas, I'm imagining, to Miami. Skip the Royal Caribbean part of this in terms of hotels and transfers and all that. Unless you're traveling by your... No, there is no... I take it back. You don't need it. Don't need it. Ignore it. If you had booked it, cancel it. Here's what you're going to do instead. Number one, Margaret, is really easy to get to the port. There's a ton of taxis around here. You can use a ride-sharing service called like Uber or Lyft. I would use Lyft personally, but you can easily hop in a cab. It is as simple, Margaret, as you collect your luggage in the airport, walk outside. There'll be a ton of taxis waiting. It'll take you right over there. It shouldn't be that expensive. If you're by yourself, all right, maybe it'll be more expensive than the 18 bucks Royal Criminal will charge for you. But I just like being in control of my own destiny and being on my own schedule. And to me, that is well worth it over there. If you're looking for a hotel, do what I just told Mark earlier, which is book a hotel online on your own. I feel like you're just going to have a lot more options and, and choices there. If you're if you're fairly indifferent like I am, like, look, you're flying in the day before your cruise, you want to stay somewhere nice, clean, and safe, use Priceline.com. Uh, go for a hotel that's at least three stars or higher. If you really, you know, go for the four-star hotels. Those are really, there's definitely, <laughs> there's no gambling with those hotels. And you're often going to find a pretty good rate for that. And heck, you might even have an opportunity to do some touristy stuff in town. Lots of stuff around you. It's the way to go. And I feel like doing it on your own with taxis or Uber or Lyft in the United States is fine. If we were talking about going on a cruise out of Europe, that's a whole different story. And, and there's there's a really good reason to, to go with Royal Caribbean in that situation. But for this, I just don't think it's worthwhile for you. I think you're better off kind of doing it on your own. Um, and certainly if you're working with a travel agent, Margaret, I'm sure they can assist you with pointing you in the right direction for all that. But to answer your question directly, there is tons of cab services. And you mentioned accessible cab service. I'm not sure if maybe you have a mobility issue, but there are absolutely accessible cabs available. So you might have to wait a little bit longer for them. But just tell the, uh, the person. Usually there's a, a representative, a cab, I don't know what you call them, a cab yeller outer, who will, will hail the cabs for you. Just let them know you need an accessible one. And they can bring one that can accommodate a wheelchair or something like that. So thank you, Margaret, for the email. Thank you to everybody for a wonderful uh, episode here talking about lots of different topics. And, of course, if you want to send in your email, you want to say hi to me, you want to talk about accessibility, you want to talk about a cruise ship etiquette, you want to talk about falafel, whatever's on your mind about Royal Caribbean or food, because you know I love food, you can always email me, matt at royalcaribbeanblog.com, matt, M-A-T-T, at royalcaribbeanblog.com. So until next time, I'm Matt Hotchberg, and we'll talk again soon.